Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Dan and Aaron Lycorama music. Yes. That was a famous uh, uh, lyrical banjo genius, Dan Grubb, uh, who has won awards in uh, approximately no states uh, yes. for his uh, abilities to um, verbally replicate the sound of the six string. Uh, but he's trying his best. And, I, did, and I did come in third in my daughter's second grade talent show. That's unfortunate. But we are very proud of you. They did not have a parents category. Hmm. Hmm. That that that's telling. Uh, I'm not sure in what way it's telling, but it certainly is telling. Yeah. 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 All right. What are you going to tell us about, dude? Today I am here. I'm excited because I love this guy. Okay. His name is Ernie. Kovacs. It's been so long since we've seen each other over the Orthicon tube. And Ernie Kovacs was a TV guy in the 50s and early 60s who was like, what can you do with a TV? And did it. And his shows are bananas. He was very much ahead of his time. Very, uh, he was, it was, Kovacs was kind of like that first Velvet Underground album where like only a hundred or a thousand people bought it, but they all started bands. Right, right. He was popular. He mm-hmm. was never like Steve Allen popular, Jack Benny popular. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like one of these big deals, Milton Berle popular. But right. he had a very strong following and the like maniacal followers were like, this guy is crazy. I love it. Okay. And a lot of them, you know, he was, he was influential. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, and so, uh, so this, so, this so he was like, he was like, what the hell can I get away with at the same time that people were trying to like carve out what the hell can you do with the television? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. It was, I mean, it's the early days right. of TV uh, um, neat, where neat. it's, it's no longer an experiment. Right. Uh, but it, it's it's around the same time as your show of shows. It's it's okay. just after your show of shows, sort of. Okay. Um, show of shows was like 49, 50, 51, 52, mid-50s. Okay. Uh, and that was Sid Caesar, Imogene Coca. Oh, my God, was Imogene Coca funny. Mm. Um, uh, Carl Reiner. My God, Carl oh. Reiner. Carl Reiner. Uh, Mel right. Brooks was the writer. That's where Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner met. Hmm. Was on that okay. show. Right. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic show. Everyone watch your show shows. Go on YouTube and look up um, Sid Caesar 
the haircuts. That is a, a little like five minute skit where it is, uh, it's from like the mid fifties and okay. it is, uh, <laughs> it's Sid Caesar and, um, Carl Reiner and, oh God, what was the other guy's name? He was, he was this little guy and he was a character actor and he was always showing up. Um, you're going to know um, these better than Howard I do. Morris. So. Howard Howie Morris. Morris. Okay. Howard Morris. All right. Um, the name might ring a bell, but if if you look up a video of him, you'll be like, "Oh, I know that voice." He's one of those like really distinctive voices. Uh, this character actor. Anyway, it's the three okay. of them, and All they right. have pompadour wigs, and wide-shouldered sports jackets, and and they're they're there as a singing troupe. And they're okay. doing all these crazy dances, and they're called the the three haircuts. Okay. And all it's right. just, I I mean, you could say it's satirizing early rock and roll, but it's just silly. It's just okay. three grown men being silly and dancing like toddlers, and it's <laughs> hilarious. Okay. And the songs they sing are the dumbest songs you ever heard, and they're catchy and great, and I love awesome. them. Awesome. I love him. Sid Caesar, The All Three right. Haircuts. It's the best. Okay. And it's a wonderful one song. We'd like to sing it you now, my brothers. Tom Haircut, Pete Haircut, and I'm Mike Haircut. And The Three Haircuts, we'd like to sing our hit song, You Are So Rare. Hit it, Professor. episode lately i'm like i'm gonna talk about this but first here's 10 minutes on a completely unrelated (laughs) i get my recommendation out of the way early i guess right so anyway so ernie kovacs well i'll also say that you then doing that then ties into us later doing other episodes or other podcasts i guess because it ends up we're we're building a pastiche you know (laughs) We're building a, a web of lies. No, I, I mean, you know. I it, mean a pastiche. Uh, yeah, lies. I mean, it's all lies. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with that. It's yeah, yeah it's all lies. This is this is but untrue. So this is the so if you're not familiar with '50s television, on the the wacky side, you had Sid Caesar and those guys, and and a lot of their they kept saying we're oh the satire it's above the heads of middle america i mean it was mostly them being goofy right a lot of sid caesar was really good at double talk he could imitate italian and french and german and russian and everybody um just gibberish it's an old vaudeville trick right um carl reiner was the perfect straight man Mm -hmm. and he could just immediately turn on a dime and be ridiculous yeah, he was um, also really good at like he could he could um And we just lost him recently. Ugh. Yeah, Carl we did. Yeah. Uh, a wonderful he he guy. played 
he played the um the fluster uh, he he did mm. flustered really well. He could do like, what, what, are you, what, what are you? Yeah, yeah. He could do flustered well, and he could also do the, no matter it's chaos, and he remains calm. Yeah, exactly. If he's like the TV news interviewer guy. Right, right. That was the whole shtick with the uh, the th- the thousand year old man, the two thousand year old man, him and Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, the first day they met, this is a story Mel Brooks has told a million times, but uh, the fir- the first time. They met uh, in the writer's room of the show and shows, your show of shows. Mel Brooks walks in and he sees Carl Reiner. Or Carl Reiner sees Mel Brooks. He walks up to him and he goes, uh, excuse me, sir. I understand uh, that you, what was this, like, I understand that you're a pirate. And Mel Brooks turns around and he says, you know how hard it is to set sail these days? I'm a, he was a Jewish pirate. <laughs> he says, you know how difficult it is to set sail these days? You know what they're charging for sale cloth? $3.40 a yard. Uh-huh. I can't afford to fill it, pillage and rape anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this whole thing. And so the next meeting, the next time, he comes in and he says, Hello, sir. I understand that you are, that you knew Jesus. He's a thin lad, right? He wore sandals, walked around with 12 other guys. Nice boy. They came into the store, never bought anything. I gave him water. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. He's, but he just like walked up and says, so I understand that blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just riff, and it's great. So this is a lot of that. Um, this is, uh, um, I guess, post-Vaudeville. Yeah, but yeah. This pre-second, is late pre-second 40s, city 50s. development of the, 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 the Yes And game almost. Yeah, I mean, it's just okay. riffing. It's just them right. being funny. Right, um, right, okay. But, uh, yeah, this was... A, uh, Second City was starting around this time in Chicago. Uh, I think they started, like, 47, 49, something like that. Right. Um, and But, yeah, Mel Brooks, uh, he learned his stuff. Why are we talking about this? It's Ernie Kovacs. But he learned his stuff <laughs> in the cat skills in the 30s and 40s. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before and after the war. Because right. he went out and fought in the Battle of the Bulge and everything. Anyway, so this is the atmosphere of television in the 50s. You got your show of shows is sort of as crazy as it gets. Yeah. Um, Jack Benny is very silly. He's very straight-laced, but, you know, like Mel Blanc was on his show, and he would be silly. Right. You know, he would be the, the clerk at the department store where Jack Benny is trying to – he's driving him crazy uh, – going back and forth on what he wants to buy for Christmas. And, right. know, and they talk about how the 50s were so nice. The, the, the punchline of the episode is Mel Blanc shooting himself in the head and dying. So <laughs> that's... This is a different era of television. Oh, wee bit dark. So, you know, don't, yeah. don't act like the 50s weren't dark. Yeah. Um, uh, you also had... What else did you have back then? You had um, Milton Berle, who was basically he would walk out and tell jokes and sometimes he would wear a dress, which is the funniest thing anyone's ever done is be a man in a dress. Right. And, uh, and his big shtick was that he stole everyone else's jokes, which he did. Yeah. He was a big joke thief. Um, and, uh, but he also was like, yeah, I steal jokes. It's great. Um, <laughs> and then you had the real straight lace stuff, you know, Ozzy and Harriet, leave it to Beaver. Father knows bests. All that. Um, and then you have this guy, Ernie Kovacs, who came 
seemingly from out of nowhere and right. seemingly from Mars. <laughs> With the way that he uh, would pull uh, jokes yeah. and stuff. Now, right. you did have in the, uh, I guess I guess he started, you know, the late, in the 40s and early 50s, you had like Spike Jones was crazy and, and they did a couple Col- Colgate comedy hours and those are the right. best. The YouTube of their 51 Colgate comedy hour Whoever posted it took the sound off, so it's not as funny oh. anymore. But God, well, that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen for a long time. Um, I was also I, I was also gonna say like I mean, contextually, although you've got uh, Kovacs, uh, Reiner, and Brooks pulling this stuff around the fifties, um, I mean I, I guess a lot of what they're doing is based on. Um, paths that were already to some extent acceptably blazed by both the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges by that point already, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's there's definitely like a spectrum, you know, it's yeah. sort of, there's nothing new under the sun about it, you know, the, right. the Marx Brothers were, they lifted a bunch of gags from people that they saw earlier, and they were expert riffers on their own, right? You know, their, right, right. their movie scripts, they would look at it stone-faced and not even chuckle, and then they go, yeah, okay. And then <clears> they would, you know, rewrite three-quarters of the movie on the day. Right. Um. And, and I mean, you know, there's no shortage of bizarre movie makers and bizarre stage acts and people being goofballs um but now we have a semi-reliable record of it right you know uh, the people who were fortunate enough to save the tapes before they got wiped or you know the people who put the tape recorder next to the radio and caught that song before the tape was burned up in a warehouse or something okay that kind of makes sense right the frequency with which you can now point back to it and say we got a record and it's funny as hell yeah uh has increased in frequency right yeah 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 all right right it's 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 the same thing you know you look at you know you you look at social media now and you're like oh my god there's all these terrible things happening it's like well there were always terrible things happening but now (laughs) you see it right right the same as the other way around too there's always been like hilarious goofballs but Mm mm-hmm 99% 99% of them have been lost to history. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this guy... Oh, I, I was gonna, I was starting to say, uh, around the same time Steve Allen popped up on TV, and he was doing, he was doing kooky stuff. Like, uh, in the 50s, he, would, he wore a suit covered in tea bags and was lowered into a giant pitcher of water to make oh, a giant, you know picture of tea stuff like that right 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 um you know he was he was a real funny guy steve allen was yeah. great he and a lot of his show was kind of flying by the seat of your pants what are we doing now yeah oh, okay right um so kovacs is not unique mm-hmm. but he is the best mm-hmm. um and i think the main reason why folks like jack benny and steve allen and and uh, Sid Caesar are still known is just they lived longer. Kovacs right. died in 62. Ah, okay, so he died early. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, what a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, he dies. He dies in the end. <laughs>
Yeah, um, right. All right, so Ernie Kovacs. He is a Hungarian-American uh, comedy guy. Yeah. Um, and his TV show sort of... It was the same sort of thing that we talk about all the time where he started out at a little station where no one, there was no money, not a lot of oversight, and he had to do it all the time. Uh-huh. And so you learn quick or you fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he cobbled together these sort of ideas and approaches and techniques and characters. So some of his characters that he would play, um, the drunk magician, Matza Heppelwhite, the, um, oh, let's say effeminate poet, Percy Dove Tonsils. <laughs> the, uh, the German disc chalky, Wolfgang von Sauerbraten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chef Miklos Molnar. Uh, and, of course, Eugene, who is his sort of uh, Charlie Chaplin tramp character, who didn't okay. talk, and uh, they did a whole episode with no words and just sound effects and sight gags. And it's brilliant. Um, so Ernie Kovacs, he grew up in New Jersey, the son of a Hungarian immigrant. Uh, his dad came to the U S from Hungary. Uh, he studies drama in high school and college. Uh, his career started at a radio station in Trenton, uh, where, and it's again, from the very start, it's like, well, I got to do something. Uh, so he aired things like, well, what would it be like to get run over by a train? So he took mm-hmm. a microphone and some tape and went over to a train and he laid down on the tracks and the train started coming and he rolled out of the way at the last <laughs> second. He goes, Oh my God. Well, I guess that's what it's like to get run over by a train. Jeez. That could have been bad. <laughs> um, uh, one time he broadcasts live on the air uh, from inside a plane while taking flying lessons. Just, you know, <laughs> like goofy ideas like that could be interesting. Like it's it's right. it's the germ of an idea. And then you just, right. well, I got to make it work. Right. What if um, we did X? Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of the early 40s. He's in Trenton doing goofy stuff on the radio. Mm hmm. Um, a local newspaper gives him a weekly column in 1945, so he starts getting a name. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Uh, so the 40s, that's his thing. It's just Trenton, New Jersey media, doing whatever right. he can to be creative in, in the city. Right. 1950, he moves to Philadelphia to get his start on TV at the local Philadelphia, uh, I believe, NBC station. Okay. He's all... <laughs> <laughs> he got the job because he auditioned. He showed up wearing a barrel. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> like, that's his audition. <laughs> and he does a whole audition. He does all the jokes and acting and everything wearing a barrel and shorts. I am man wearing a barrel. Okay. All right. I love it. <laughs> So that's his that's first fantastic. his first TV show is in uh, Philadelphia, 1950. It's called uh, Three to Get Ready. Okay. And it is uh, a daily show. Every morning he does this show. Or every morning, every afternoon. I forget. Okay. But it's, it's five days a week. Mm-hmm. And it's 
low to no budget. Like there's okay. nothing. And they right. would get on the air and he'd say like, Hey, he would talk to the audience or the camera, be like, Hey, if you have some junk, just like some stuff, bring it by the station. We'll use it. And people, <laughs> they would pile stuff up out, outside the TV station there. Okay, cool. And they went through it. Oh, we could use this. Um, it was there that he created one of his characters was an invisible character that the camera would, would close in on his desk and they would look at Howard, the world's strongest ant. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Nice. And then we get fan letters to Howard. Dear Howard, you inspire just, me. He <laughs> Thank was you for so, being tiny. He was so fun and charismatic that people instantly fell for this show. Right. They were like, well, hell, yeah, I love Howard. Great. He's my favorite. <laughs> um, so a year and a half or so later, they moved the show to New York. Uh, mm-hmm. And now it's Kovacs on the Corner. Okay. And this is right. the morning show. Okay. And this show actually, I guess it might have been on CBS at this point. Um, but at this point, everyone was like, a TV in the morning? This is stupid. Who watches TV in the morning? Huh. So they put Kovacs on, and people liked it so much. NBC sees this, and they're like, huh. Morning <laughs> show, huh? And that's where the Wait Today Show came from. Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay, yeah. so Kovacs is the the uh, the trailblazer here. He inspired. Fascinating. Yeah, he was on huh. ABC or CBS or maybe Dumont, uh, right. which Dumont was a fourth network back in the day, and then uh, they they were only around for ten or fifteen years. Okay. Um. But, but people, yeah. So people liked it, and NBC was like, "Oh, okay, I guess you can have morning shows," and so they do the Today Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from then, the the next decade is just show after show after show. It's always brilliant, but it's always short lived. Okay. Oh. And at he was one of the very few people, if not the only one, he had a show at one point on all four networks: NBC, CBS, ABC, and Dumont. <laughs> but so okay, big question. Why does it keep? Why, why does each show keep uh, ending up short lived? Is it a case of like, is it something with him? Is it a personality conflict, or is it just like a tragedy of the the way that the cards fell where they may in terms of uh, whoever was producing the show, or did he it's fall out just, of favor? It's just it was a weird show. Mm, okay. And when you're trying to get, you know, thirty percent of the country to tune in. Yeah, that makes sense. They don't, you know, there's a reason Leave It to Beaver was being run on Nick at Night instead of Ernie Kovacs, because it's kind of weird. You know, we watched, when we were kids, Nick at Night was showing Mr. Ed and not showing, you know, Sid Caesar. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. weird and people were not, they were like, I don't know, that was a weird show. Right, right. For the same reason that you're not going to, broadcast um space ghost during prime time hours because yeah that's not when the audience that you're trying to attract is going to be awake yeah, yeah okay all right and all right. i get you yeah. yeah i mean it's 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 not a charity organization it is a right. 
It is a money machine, and they're right, there to right. make money for soap companies and right. Companies. So each time that yeah, so each time that one of Kovacs' shows would be on, you'd start to they'd start to see trailing ratings. They'd say, yeah, it's great, it's funny, it's experimental. We like what you're doing, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's no, I love Lucy. Okay, <laughs> right, right. yeah, right. I, I'm trying. Well, All no, right. that, yeah, that's a good one. I love Lucy is like pretty classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, they weren't all straight laced and lame. Right. Um, so, so, and you got to get a load. Some of these names, there's, uh, so yeah, uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, he had four shows. Okay. Uh, that were short lived. Uh, three to get mm-hmm. ready was the one he moved to New York for. It's time okay. for Ernie. <laughs> My favorite, Ernie in Kovacs Land. Ernie in Kovacs Land. <laughs> <laughs> And then the Ernie Kovacs okay. show. Okay. Uh, I think it was right. Ernie Kovacs show that was uh, where he finally got yeah. a steady sponsor, a steady sponsor, which was a Dutch Master Cigars. He was always smoking uh, a cigar. Okay. And Ernie Kovacs, black hair, uh, thick mustache, cigar, uh, top button, unbuttoned. He might have a suit and tie. He yeah, might, I was looking he at might the images of him. Top button, He's, unbuttoned. He, he, He's got almost the, that kind of like used car salesman look. There were some, yeah, he, he definitely played a used car salesman without a whole right. lot of acting in a few right. sketches. Right. Um, he would also show up a lot on uh, as like a game show panelist on like, what's my line? Uh, mm-hmm. Him and his wife, uh, Edie Adams, would, would show up on there once in a while. Yeah. Uh, maybe they he only also, did it a few times. He also has... Um, that one generation prior Burt Reynolds look, uh, where he, yeah. he almost looks like uh, uh, you know somebody stamped out the the Burt's, the Burt Reynolds archetype uh, thirty years before Burt Reynolds appears on the scene. Yeah, and if and if mm. you think of uh, Norm Macdonald's imitation on Celebrity Jeopardy of Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. that like overly relaxed. Right. Like maybe too relaxed. That was kind of yeah. how he acted on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Which is great. And it's so <laughs> much fun to watch his show because you right. literally have no idea what's going to happen. Okay. It was one of the few truly unpredictable shows. The uh, camera is broken. I heard him pounding. What, what seems to be the trouble? Vertical deflection. Vertical deflection? Son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at it. Would you think it? <laughs> This is uh, the inside of a camera, and uh, you see the boys here. This is for vermouth. Uh, in here, they keep the olives and the lemon rind. And down here, there's a little bourbon flask that has a tube running out here. Here's the tube, as you can see, runs all the way down here. This runs up into the executive's office upstairs. And actually, I fixed it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> actually, they don't take pictures with this at all. It's just a portable bar. and. Uh, we couldn't get a liquor license at NBC, and we have to do it on the side. We have uh... Oh, wait, wait a minute. Just one second. I've got to say hello. I just saw you. Uh, over here are two gentlemen, I'm sure you both uh, you know both, of whom you both know which of. Both. One is Harry Sosnick, uh, the orchestra conductor who makes party records, and the other is Bob Hamilton of the Art of Terpsichore. 
And uh, both of these gentlemen are currently working on our Monday night show that we all do together. And uh, you're uh, taking the bread out of your own big fat mouth with that register up there. That's one of the reviews. I'm really excited about this. This is going to be uh, this is going to be some 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 light YouTubing over the course of the next few weeks. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Kovacs rules. Um, so a lot of the shows would begin with uh, uh, what are called blackout jokes. So you do it a lot mm-hmm. in sketch shows where it's like a five second joke, and mm-hmm. then the lights black out. The end. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of them would be, you know, 30 seconds long. Some would be like two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be while these are going on, the audio is the song Mac the Knife, but it's this German version of it. <laughs> so it's like... And It's like it's this odd tempo and this kind of warbly voice singing it. It's just it doesn't fit. (laughs) Mm. Um, And there would be stuff like, uh, you know, there's a woman uh, taking a bath, taking a bubble bath, and then a a periscope pops up and and looks at her, and then it cuts to inside a German submarine. Oh, (laughs) go back, go back, and then. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we've gone too far. Um, right. Or uh, uh, there was one where, uh, well, uh, there was, this wasn't a blackout, but there was uh, there was a scene where, you know how sometimes, I don't know if he was the first to do it, he might have been the first to do it because Singing in the Rain was until a few years later, but mm-hmm. there was a a sketch where the set and the camera were mounted together and slightly tilted. I think they might have used a car hmm. jack to tilt it up, if I remember Oh, that's correctly. awesome. And oh, so it awesome. looks like it's straight, but he's pouring milk in the coffee and he has to move the glass to catch the milk because it's tilted ah, fun. so he's playing with change of perspective it's nice and everything's rolling down because the whole set is oh, tilted. that's great and, you know oh he, i gotta find that he opens the the thing and all the food falls yeah. in his lap and everything because i know that there's i know that uh and i can't remember which what the name of it or what the context was but i just remember seeing it as a kid i know that there's a Bert and Ernie where they do mm. that as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's it's like Ernie's dream or Bert's dream or something like that. And I remember for years trying to figure out 
how in the world did they do that? Why did the, you know, why did the water pour sideways? And it wasn't until years later that I saw an image of it. And it's like, oh, they had the whole set cantilevered. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, That's a great trick. Penn and Teller did it 30 trick. years later on SNL. Mm-hmm. They were hanging mm-hmm. upside down and doing all these tricks of things flying up. Oh, how they I do remember it. It that. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a... <laughs> Uh, sometimes, uh, they would do, um, you know, the sound effects wouldn't match with what you're supposed to hear. Stuff like, right, that. you know, right. you shoot a gun and a duck comes out or something. By the way, a in looking sound. at the, the Google image search, I, uh, I do know now that I've seen at least, and I don't know, I don't remember when I've seen it, but I have seen him doing, uh, Percy Dove tonsils. Yeah. I, I do now having looked at, um, the images i i think that must have been either my history of television or or my um history of early comedy uh uh class way back in the day but i know i've seen that before i yeah. love percy dove tonsils so much it's probably my favorite of his characters it's it's this uh very effeminate prissy guy in a smoking mm-hmm. jacket <laughs> yeah and uh and he's the poet he's a poet laureate and he has goofy glasses you know that make his eyes look all wacky and and he has a big giant book of poems where the script is taped in there Mm. and uh and he come out and there's harps (laughs) he goes "Mm, hello all my viewers out there through the orthocom tubes how are you today (laughs) and you know he'd and he would kind of ogle the cameraman. Oh, I right. see Harold is filming me again today. Mm. <laughs> he and, always and makes to me note, look so good. <laughs> to, to note for, you know, folks should go Google Kovacs. But the, the great thing is that with Percy Dove tonsils, and this is the part that I remember giggling at the most, the eyes are pasted onto yeah. the glasses he's wearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not his glass. It's <laughs> yeah, not it's, his eyes. It's, it's this set of goofy. Of yeah, it's it's like these goofy like cartoon eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah which which makes it so just entertainingly more awkward. Yeah, yeah. they're just it's just stupid. It's like mm. it's just dumb. And he's one mm. of these guys. It's my favorite type of creative mind. Of mm-hmm. well, we need like he's got to have he has to have hair. Let's make his hair right. stupid. He's yeah. got to have glasses. Let's make his glasses mm-hmm. stupid. He's yeah. got to have an intro. Let's make the intro crazy. Mm-hmm. We have to have a wall. Let's make the wall funny. Like yeah. finding the opportunity everywhere. Right. Um, and he would always he would always read his little poem and his poetry. Uh, Percy Dove Tonsils and Ogden Nash definitely have the greatest influence when I try to write funny little poems. Um, I've got about 60 of them written. I want to put out a book when I get to 100. Um, well, da- gosh, Dan, what's stopping you, man? I work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, okay. I, um, hey, uh, that, that's, I, that's perfectly legit, and, and I immediately retract, retract my uh, uh, vain, faint attempt at snark. <laughs> I I always uh, I I always get a little bit into something and then I get bored and start something else. So that's why I have, you know, uh, half of a pilot and 
eight chapters of a book. <laughs> Wait, it, isn't that almost was, all of our projects? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start something. Okay. You want to keep right. going it? Nah. Yeah. Is it, uh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Are you, uh, do you want to go do something else? Yeah. Let's yeah. Go do that's else. boring. Yeah. <laughs> Aber here's eine Postkarten. And my lieber Wolfgang, du hast cool hair, cool. He is just nuts about the records to all the time playing. Please play me the new hit, standing out the corner watching all of the Fraulein who's stepping by. <laughs> we lieber do sign Fritz, Johanna, Gerta, Kurt, Sieger, Wilhelm, Bertha, Pedro, and all the crowd and crowdies that Luigi's brought. But, um, so he experimented with uh, split screens, hmm. um, cutting between a scene, uh, messing with perspective, messing with visual effects. Um, he right. did a he did a an early version of green screen where basically you would take a patch like a black patch. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a. At one point, there's a Western sketch where someone shoots someone and then the camera cuts away. And when it cuts back, they've put this black patch on the guy. And then one camera is pointed at him and another camera is pointed at the studio monitor that shows him. And they've Mm -hmm. done some effects so that the black patch becomes transparent and you can see through (laughs) it. I don't know how it works, but it's right. It's It's that layering. They figured out some way to layer it. So it looks like there's a hole through you. (laughs) Neat. And then they used it on a throwaway gag. Like, Hey, you got shot in the West and you could see through them. Get it. It's like this (laughs) brown, great brown groundbreaking method in TV. And they're like, you know, it'd be funny with it, but it's a throwaway gag. It's just a throwaway gag. Now, here's something kind of neat that I saw as I'm, I'm looking at the Google image search is that um, I know that this is a, a so this is an interesting case of chicken and egg because it looks like he's doing the cigar guillotine here. And I know that uh, what's his name? Um, Hitchcock then uh, does the cigar guillotine gag in the opening of one of his episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Uh, so I, I wonder who does it first. That's a good question because they were yeah. contemporaries. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure who who did that gag first. It might have been, yeah. you know, just uh, they both come up with it. It's a pretty yeah, sure was a good gag. idea at the it's time. Right yeah, right, right, right. For either yeah. of them. Right, right. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry would, to distract you. He would do things like he would take a kaleidoscope and tape it on the end of the camera. Mm. And while that's turning, you know, waggle his fingers, a couple fingers in front of it in time with (laughs) symphonic music. Right. Um, Or drag a hank, a scarf or a handkerchief across it. So the design is all kaleidoscopic. It's, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I guess you could do that. So at the same time that he's doing sketches, He's also playing with the format of audiovisual, which yeah. is which is awesome because this gets into that um, run up of the border between um, comedy and especially television comedy and and experimentation, which is where 
it, 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 you know, it seems like one of the common through lines between the stuff that you and I like is always that there's this uh, collection of, of comics out there that they make their way into the audio, audiovisual medium and they're like, oh, while we're here, let's see what we can get away with. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, all, uh, another thing on Percy Dove tonsils that I loved was uh, Percy's character would have a martini at his little side table and a couple times they uh one time they switched once in a while they would switch the water for an actual martini and give him a little surprise (laughs) (laughs) and he's like i guess i'll just go through and uh you know you can't drink on tv so he would raise the book up above his face and you'd see the the glass disappear and then reappear a little uh, the crew put a fish in the in the martini glass at one oh, point, no. uh, unbeknownst to ernie so he came out right. to that and had to like keep a straight face and fail to somebody seemed to have slipped a little fish into my <laughs> Some prankster on the floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, later, perhaps. I'll, I'll join you. <clears throat> no, I don't suppose he'll drink too much, and he can't get the olive in his mouth. <laughs> Ode to a Bookworm by Percy Dove Oh, hail to thee, thou streamlined fellow. You go through my books like a fork go through jello. When I open a book and look back at the binding, little crumbs from your lunch, always I'm finding. God, there's just so many good ones. They had a a funny sketch um, satirizing how the Western expanded and matured. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, it was cowboys, you know, the guy in the black hat and the guy in the white hat, and the good guy shoots the bad guy. Yeah, and then right. there's like, all right, well, you know, they did that for a while. And then they started coming at it from every angle. And so you see it from behind the head of one of them. <laughs> and it's the same thing to the two guys draw and right. one shoots the other. Right. And then you see it from like between his legs. <laughs> and then you see it from above and you're looking down at them. And then it's, it's a close up of the gun and he fires and you follow the bullet through the air into the other guy. <laughs> Just goofy stuff. Right. Um, they did. Uh, <laughs> they did a ballet. They did Swan Lake. Okay. And the music was perfectly straight and normal and beautiful. Right. The ballet dancing was professional dancers dancing beautifully and wonderfully, and and everyone is dancing at their best. Mm-hmm. And everyone is wearing a gorilla suit. <laughs> now that I could swear I've seen that before. I could swear that's the whether whole bit. I feel like that's one of those where I, I, I could swear that I've seen that as a clip in one of those various like, you know, randomly reusing clips type of clip show type of mm. things that we've seen. You know, because sure. I know I've seen the 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 ballet gorillas before. Huh. Oh god, huh. that's yeah. so good. Um, 
they <laughs> they had a bit that they did a few times called the Nairobi Trio. And this was uh it was Ernie Kovacs, uh his wife, Edie Adams, mm-hmm. and their good friend, um uh Jack Lemon. Oh wow. Yeah, they were friends with Jack Lemon. They made a few movies together. Huh. Um in fact, the DVD set that my folks got where I first saw him in mm-hmm. like, you know, 2003 or something, Jack right. Lemmon narrated it. And it was from like some old, I don't know, whatever collection is. It was like, hey, this is Jack Lemmon. Let me tell you about my friend Ernie Kovacs. And that was the intro right. to each disc. Um, so it's the three of them and they're dressed up in gorilla masks with long, shaggy wigs. Right. And little like bowler hats and big like fur, like nineteen twenties like you know brown coats with with fur on the top, like fur cuffs around the neck. Okay. And they're all wearing right, like right. dress gloves, and it looks right. it's weird, and they look kind of like one of the guys from the Banana Splits. <laughs> okay. All right. And they're all. Oh, I see. I see these guys now in the search. Okay. And they're right, very right. stiff and mechanical. Mm-hmm. And his mm-hmm. wife is playing piano, mm-hmm. and Ernie is conducting, and Jack mm-hmm. Lemon is standing there with some mallets. And whenever the bongos go, bloop, he plays. He he plays drums on Ernie's head, and <laughs> and Ernie stops conducting and looks up, and his gorilla has a cigar in its mouth, and he's just. <laughs> deadpanning at the camera right and getting right. angry in the guitar in the in the uh, monkey suit in the in the gorillas it's it's just right. it's the dumbest idea you could possibly yeah, I'm have look, i'm looking at the, the a picture kills. of it now yeah it i believe that slays to this day right it's and, so you know, dumb and it's so good the wonders of show business ladies and gentlemen the nairobi trio I totally could see. I could totally could buy that because this reminds me a lot of. Um, this reminds me a lot of of why Kermit works so well, right? Mm. Because um, Kermit is uh, Kermit as a puppet is just this dead face, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's moving Kermit's eyes towards the camera and tilting his head just right. To, to, yeah. to do that deadpan gag and I'm looking at I'm looking at a video right now on mute of the Nairobi trio and and Kovacs is doing the exact same thing yep so so this is the this is Kovacs inspiring and then you know uh, Henson coming along you know behind Two him years and going later, yeah yeah sure going hey I really liked what Kovacs did with the deadpan gaze you know, we could pull that off with the puppets too, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. No, that's great. That's awesome. The, uh, Oh, he had a great trick that he did a few times and he would do it like, 
on like home movies too, like mm-hmm. for his for his buddies. He right. uh, <laughs> it's so good. He goes, he dives in a pool with a lit uh-huh. cigar. He's underwater, and you see him. The camera's underwater with him. Right. And he puffs on the cigar, and he blows, in, and a, a cloud of smoke comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Which is impossible if you're underwater. In the water, <laughs> You can't yeah, smoke right. a cigar underwater. Right, right, right. So what he would do <laughs> is he would take a sip of milk and hold it in his mouth and then dive in the water and pretend ah, to puff on the cigar and, and blow clever. out this milk, which looks like a clever. cloud of smoke. Right, Isn't that right, great? right, right. Yeah, that's clever. That's a great, oh, little, yeah. a great little thing. That's sly, yeah. <laughs> um, they, but then, so there would be this, like, you know, on the one hand, you have... They're wearing gorilla suits and doing mm-hmm. ballet. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, they would have an entire kitchen rigged up to strings so that they could move individual knives and forks on the walls and make <laughs> the teapot go at just the right time and make eggs mm-hmm. crack open at just the right time. And they would time it and they would orchestrate it, choreograph it to right of spring <laughs> nice there was nice. a there was a blackout version of the 1812 overture where it's uh uh it's eggs being smashed in a frying pan and uh a um um like a a bison a buffalo head spinning around on the wall and all this crazy stuff <laughs> And it's choreographed to this classical music. It's it's really right. goofy. Um, right. They made fun of commercials, which were a brand new thing on television. Um, mm-hmm. There's a really good ad. Uh, I think it was on uh, Kovacs on the Corner, where they they're in the middle of a, a bit. They uh, they had just given away. Oh, they had a thing where they would do like neighborhood swaps. And mm-hmm. one episode, there's two people come in, a young guy and. Uh, sort of old aging lady one mm-hmm. quite old yet a little more than middle-aged right and they they both just brought something from their house in a cardboard yeah. box and then they ernie looked at this and shows it to the camera and and he gave it to them and he okay and he switched them so she got his and he got hers and they're like here you go <laughs> this is yours now and they that was <laughs> that was five minutes of live tv Right, because <laughs> what else are you gonna do? You yeah. can't you can't write half an hour a day, so you just kind of like, well, we'll try this, see if it works. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of almost analogous to that. That's that's that man on the street type of stuff that uh, yeah. Letterman, and then and Which, then later again, on that Steve you know, Allen, Kimmelin, et cetera. Steve Allen started right. that, the man on the street. Yeah, yeah, um, but it totally plays because it's uh, you know for then and now you know. You put you, you tell someone you're on TV though. Oh, I'm on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And go yeah. ask them. Hey, so uh, what do you think about this? Oh, well, no, 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 no. Oh, hey, okay. Um. Right. Uh. So so right after they do that, they say you know like okay, well we got to have a word from a sponsor and and they pick up a bag that says food on it and they do like a five minute pitch a five minute commercial <laughs> for food. <laughs> it's probably more like one minute, um, right. but a minute of TV feels like five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they do this ad for food. It's great. Um, this is Hobart Lipschultz, your 
friendly announcement. We uh, don't want to intrude into your living room, the privacy of your home. We just want to talk a little bit about a product we've got today that, well, friends, <laughs> I think you'll find it pretty necessary. Friends, eat food. Eat food three times a day, friends. Eat food morning, noon, and night. Food's good for you. <laughs> yes, friends. Food builds you up. It gives you all of the vitamins you can get in vitamins. Friends, food is delicious. You can fry food. <laughs> you can boil food. And you can frickin' see it. Now, friends, you take a good piece of food and roast it. What's more delicious than roast food? Hmm? Nothing. Now, friends, I just want to tell you, you can get food at all your supermarkets. And if you can't get it at the supermarket, <laughs> go to your good independent grocer. He has food. <laughs> and now, miss? Uh, yes, friends. Except no substitute. Buy food. That's right. Friends. Food is good for you. That's right. And remember, friends, one final thing about food. Remember, when you're buying food, spell it backwards and it's doof. <laughs> they do another what was that other ad that they did oh uh his his german uh disc chalky uh wolfgang von sauerbraten he uh he was he was a radio guy on on the the sketch was he's on radio playing polka music and then uh the, he would you know stop the record and he goes uh he goes, you know, and he, he's doing an ad for the toothpaste sponsor. He goes, and he's like, let's ask the people, how many times in einen day do you gebrochen sie de toots? And it cuts, it cuts to a woman. Ich gebrochen meine toots dry times a day. And then it cuts to a guy. Ich gebrochen meine toots vier times a day. And then it cuts to a guy, his face is all covered in bandages. Each brush in mine toots 700 times a day. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic because so much of that, so much of that ends up being part of the DNA of um, the silly sketch comedy yeah. that, that, you know, further on down the road. Yeah. You know. And speaking of silly and and going back to the just you don't know what's going to happen so there's one he right. was closing the show and he's he's on the branch of a tree and he's sawing the branch <laughs> uh and he saws a little bit and then he talks to the camera for a while and then he saws a little bit more and you're like oh god he's right. gonna fall he's gonna fall and he talks yeah. to the camera a little more mm-hmm. and he saws a little more and then the rest of the tree falls over and he hangs suspended in the air on this half of the branch. <laughs> or uh, he's in a biplane and he pulls his goggles on and the, mm-hmm. the, the engine's going and he's like, okay. Right. And he right. starts the engine and uh, only the seat and the propeller fly away and the, the wings <laughs> stay put and fall down and collapse. And, right. You know, goofy stuff. He uh, There was one he... He had like a, a a white piece of paper on the wall, yeah. And he sits there and he he draws some dots and he draws some yeah. little half circles and he draws a big rectangle around it all, right. And then uh, he draws a little handle and he pulls a handle at the bottom and, <laughs> and a little light, 
of a pinball shows up and it bounces uh, around and it bounces all over where he drew. And then, <laughs> and then oh, that's cool. Behind the paper, that's cool. Very experimental. It's, yeah. it's lit up, tilt, tilt, tilt on a lit nice. sign that shows through the paper. And it's like, nice. wow, that's pretty cool. How'd you do that yeah. in 1954 yeah. or something? Yeah. It's just I, I was... so many little ideas like that. Uh, they did a they did an opera where it starts out straight and things start to go wrong and starts to go wrong and it's just the escalation. Things right. keep going wrong. Someone comes in yelling. Someone misses their cues. A, a stage crew member comes on the set. Oh God, I get off the set. Right. Animals come in. There's gorillas invading the set. There's live animals <laughs> invading the set. Yeah. Sandbags <laughs> and lights are falling from the ceiling. <laughs> Just everything right. you can think of going wrong on television goes wrong. And it just, it's a steady like three minute escalation of just complete de-evolution of, of, right. a, of a working television studio. It's well, fabulous I'm, to watch. So I'm looking at this one episode of the Ernie Kovacs show and I've just been kind of clicking through it on YouTube. And one of the things that I noticed is that, especially when they do some of their, um, when they do some of their special effects, some of these special effects are, it's really neat because if this is 1956, it means that um, the, um, the double layering where it's, um, you record on, you know, two pieces of film yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you overlay uh, and then, and then, you know, it's the, I guess that very, very early version of blue screen where it's, you partially obscure, you know, a portion of the, uh, the person and then you recover it has yeah. already been, has already been, um, I mean, they did it that like point in, in, uh, uh, Mil what was his name? The French guy who did the voyage to the moon. Um, right. Millet from the earth to the moon. Yeah. Millet. I think he did all kinds of stuff like that where he was taking right. his head off and, yep. and putting it on the table and the, the head would yell at him and he'd squish it. Yeah. He was right. And it's like that cinematic effect. Man, has been a, they did that. Yeah. With taking they the figured out how off. to do that stuff by that point. So why the hell not play with it in a silly format, but also, you know, doing it, in post-production mm-hmm. for your film is one thing. Mm-hmm. Doing right. it live on TV with no budget is, entirely is another, another thing. Yeah, that's a good that's point. That's where you have to, like, you point it at the monitor, and mm-hmm. I don't know what happens next. Like, I'm missing a step right. in my in my understanding of how it works. Right, right, um, right. But, yeah, Maybe they had some two trick. sound studios where they were doing it live or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's impressive, though. It really is. It's yeah, mind-blowing. he's just really... I mean, it's like... It's the same thing of, like, how the Beatles were bouncing down tracks. I mean, everyone bounced down tracks, but the Beatles mm-hmm. managed to... You know, Sgt. Pepper was recorded on, I think, a four-track. I think it's four tracks. Wow. It might be eight. But oh, even yeah. if it's eight, oh, my God. Yeah, there's so much going on in Sgt. Pepper's that... To do that just in eight tracks or And it's or just four bouncing tracks. down tracks, you know? Mm-hmm. It just, it's like, well, I have this idea. How could I do yeah. it? And it's that engineer right. mentality. Yeah. yeah. Um, but How he do also I squeeze had, it in? Yeah. But besides the engineer mentality, he also had the, the, uh, the working the audience. You know, so much of his shows, right. when there was a live studio audience, he would just go up in the audience and 
talk to the crowd for 10 minutes and it was great like usually when you talk to the crowd it's like oh, okay it's it's sort of like simmering to keep you engaged but not hilarious Kovax was funny see this is the part where i'm definitely gonna have to go back and watch some of the stuff where i'm actually listening to him because if he's got that same kind of man on the street rapport that you know like letterman and um like uh, uh kimmel and fallon have got then you know yeah that's another piece of that's another piece of television host yeah skill set that is um signature and it and it stands outside of the technical stuff and it stands outside of the the wackiness yeah and if you can do that also be wacky and then also be technically proficient yeah you're a threeper you know <laughs> like you're 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 one step away from EGOT at that point. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's so while all this stuff is going on during the show, he's also like uh, a couple of shows during the credits. Mm-hmm. The credits would be funny, right? Like uh, you know the lighting. It'll say lighting by this person, and the picture is a busted old lamp, right? Or uh, there was one they. Uh, you see two hands opening a fortune cookie and they pulls out the fortune and the fortune says technical director so-and-so you know <laughs> like right it's like appropriate tricks for that credit mm-hmm. um just funny stuff and and then there would be a goofy message that's i love this thing where it sounds like a joke but it's not uh, right uh, or it'll say uh one of the credits was Tristan and Isolde is okay, Bob, but I'm not giving up my banjo lessons for anything. <laughs> <laughs> like what? That doesn't yeah. mean anything, but it sounds right. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's that, it's that, um, that ability to throw, to include throwaways that make the audience go, wait, well, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. it has the rhythm. It has the grammar of a joke. Mm-hmm. But no yeah. joke. <laughs> right, like right, right, right. Itself is funny. Yeah, there was no lead in, and there was no follow through. It's just the 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 joke exists for the sole purpose of making the records come to a halt. Yeah, yeah. It's just I like to hang out with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 like I say, the the atmosphere in the show was beyond casual. Yeah. Um, he would besides going up into the audience without any plans, you know, there weren't plans. It was like, uh, you know, oh, this, this lady has a hat. I'll talk about this hat. Right. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I'm a blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? So you don't <laughs> just sit there and talk about his job. Um, right. There was, <laughs> there was one time he was, uh, he would tease the director. Um, and he was, he was talking about how, uh, you know this was something was something was going on with that episode the so there was a little extra loose that day he goes oh we can't everything's going wrong today i got this crummy director this mickey mouse director and the camera unfocuses he's like all right all right he's a nice guy he's a good director and the camera goes back <laughs> in focus <laughs> and, That's clever. and that was improvised That's like the director right. is funny mm-hmm. and like right that's 1955. And it's all live. Yeah, which is the wild... Yeah, it's all live, too, which yeah. is fucking wild. And, I mean, that's a killer joke in 1985. Yeah. 
This was nineteen fifty-five. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like that's a good joke now. Yeah. Right. Um, he, there was, uh, there was one. It was uh, the Capusta Kid in outer space. Puppet shows were big back then. A lot of puppet shows because mm-hmm. they're cheap. Right. They cost a right. dollar. And so right. on this puppet show, it's Ernie doing all the puppets, and there's a puppet bear and a monkey and a donkey, and they're on, they're all on a rocket for some reason, and right, right, and they're doing, um, and it just like the, he couldn't find something, and he his mic wasn't working, and the prop mm-hmm. wasn't where it was supposed to be, and he, uh, and he. <laughs> His head pops up and he goes, "Yeah, live TV." And his head pops back down and it goes back to puppets. <laughs> nice. I think that was one of the shows where there was no audience and you hear all this okay. laughter and it's just the crew. It's just the crew uh, laughing. Okay. And you know like mm-hmm. any late night guy, any daily grind show. Right. The, right. the audience laughing, that's fine. That's supposed to happen. When the crew is mm-hmm. laughing, okay, that was good. Right. Um, he also, uh, speaking of the staff, uh, his announcer for some of the shows for, for several of the years was Bill Wendell, who's funny and great. Um, uh-huh. Bill Wendell. I don't recognize the name. Worked. He was the announcer for David Letterman in the 80s and early uh... 90s. Okay. Okay. All right. So I, and so I knew the voice. I just connection. didn't know the name. That was okay, a connection between the the two the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, Letterman says uh, he was as you know people are Ernie Kovacs, right? Ernie Kovacs. He always said he was more of a Steve Allen guy. Um, <laughs> but well, but it's still Steve Allen. Still a lot of man on the street, you right. know, uh, goofy suits, weird stunts. Uh, very loose atmosphere. They were they were similar, right. Alan and Kovacs. But Alan, right. I think Steve Allen was more like silly and zany, and Kovacs mm-hmm. was more chaotic, and experimental. Yeah. Um, right. And he just reveled in the chaos of a live show without a net. And if it I went am... wrong, he laughed and he fell yeah. over and buckled over laughing. And there was one where. Uh, it's the well, end also, of the, he could bake it into the uh, fabric of the chaos. Yeah. He could, you know, because it was live TV, if, if any of his gags. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and man, i, mean, I got to go watch you, some of this stuff you, now. You could tell it might be frustrating, but it was also like, mm-hmm. you know, what are you going to do? You can either be mad or you can make a joke of it. There was one where right. it was towards the end of the show, and, and he looks over at the director. Do we have time for this? Mm-hmm. Okay, and he turns to the camera and goes, he's going like this. He makes a gesture. He goes, he's going like this. This means two minutes. I thought it was this, mm-hmm. which means five minutes. But he says it's this, which means two minutes. So it's two, it's two minutes? Okay. And they say, wait, what? Now it's four minutes 30. You just said it was two minutes. Now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like this. And it turns into a whole thing. And so by the end... Nice. And then he's like, what are, you, what are you running a Mickey Mouse watch on this show? What are you doing? And like his voice goes <laughs> up as he gets more and more exasperated. And he's like nice. laughing so he's not crying. And just right, right. the whole end of the show just devolves. And the camera crew right. are laughing. The sound guys are laughing. Right. The audience is a little nervous, but the crew is cracking up. <laughs> and he, eventually he's, you know, he's like, I... We might have 30 seconds. We might have three minutes. I don't know. I guess the show's over. Ask NBC. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
That's fantastic. It's it's awesome. And and of course, of course, of course. Yeah. His secret weapon, Edie Adams, was Yeah, that's I was seeing her show up and, and apparently uh Edie was his wife and yes. and not only that, but also she she seems to be in all the, the pictures that I've I've been looking at, um she it's it's Ernie and Edie. Yeah. Like it's the, always the two of them are Edie. like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they went on uh they went on uh, panel shows together, uh, like mm-hmm. uh, like What's My Line. Um, they they would perform together. She was an, a great singer. She could sing opera or jazz or pop. Right. She was right. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She was she sang. She danced. She was pretty. She was funny. She right. And Ernie was yeah hilarious that's about it and so they would play off they had a great dynamic excellent chemistry um mm-hmm. but yeah that was like if it's like crap i need something hey Edie, you want to sing okay <laughs> she'll sing for three minutes <laughs> while he catches right. his breath or fixes a prop or whatever right but yeah it's just phenomenal chemistry those two that's awesome um and like you know every Oh, horrible story all this wonderful stuff is happening on screen off screen mm-hmm. for a lot of this time so before Edie came along Ernie was mm-hmm. married to someone else he had a wife and they had okay. two daughters okay they get divorced the judge gives Ernie custody mm-hmm. and they said yeah she's not mentally healthy hmm. Ernie should get the kids Okay. And then she took them. Okay. They were kidnapped by their oh, by their mom. Dude, holy crap! And they were they were real little when they when they divorced. So they like bear they they hardly know this person. She's basically mm-hmm. strange. She says, "No, I'm your mother. You're coming with me." And they're like, "But what? No, we want to live with Edie, okay. their stepmother." And dude. so she takes them and. And they're like they're gone for years, right? It's right. I think it's like two years that they're separated. Okay. okay. And so he's on there. They're on their show. Oh, hey, we're wacky and funny and silly. And then they would go on, you know, being interviewed somewhere, and they would hold up pictures of their girls to the TV. If you see these girls, please write to this address. We're looking Holy for these girls. Crap. They were kidnapped. so in the middle of all of this. Oh my God! Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go. 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 It's it's horrendous, wow. and wow. this like lighthearted, chaotic, experimental genius also is like panic. They have no idea. They could be anywhere. Like you can't right. even look because they could be anywhere. They're right. hiring private detectives. They're getting oh my police God. involved. They're right. you know they're they're you know whatever sort of pull they can have they're trying to Mm -hmm. so they finally find them um in florida Mm -hmm. and they get them back they they uh they they take the girls back i forget uh i think she was arrested i forget if she did time or anything okay um and then uh 1960 this is not Edie. This is the crazy wife. This is the their mother, the biological mother. Okay. Yeah, they were right, like, right, we right, want right. to live with Edie. Right. Um, wow. Uh, so in January 62, 
mm-hmm. uh, he he's driving in the rain and he took a turn too fast and he lost control of the car and and crashed and into a pole and died. They they say he died instantly. Um, yeah, I, I I I wasn't gonna say anything about that. I was gonna let you get to that, but I I had seen that as I was scrolling through as well as the pictures of the car crash and that just is tragic. <sighs> yeah, looking. and of course, yeah, yeah. there he's a, he was a celebrity, so you can find yeah. pictures of him. Of dead. course, yay, right? Yeah, um, of course. After he dies, the mom sued for custody, and the judge said, yeah. "No, we're they're gonna stay with Edie." So they stayed mm. with Edie till they were grown and. Well, that's life. favorable. Yeah. 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 They just say that she was, you know, I don't know what her deal was, but you know, tried. Right. And it was the, right. it was the fifties and sixties, so it was like, you could be diagnosed with anything because you're a lady. So yeah, right, right. You know, right. that's why we get the word hysterical. It means you have a, <sighs> it means you have a womb. <laughs> hmm. Women, women are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, broads, that whole crap. Right. Um, right. but so yeah. Uh-huh. That's the sorry to end on a downer, but uh, Ernie. No, Kovacs, I mean it's, it's sure part to, of the story, though. I'll be sure yeah. to put in a really funny clip right now. Now, let me tell you something about Operation Mad Ball. Everything you've read in the dictionary is in this picture: love, hate, fear, passion, xylophones. So hopefully that was great, and uh, no, that was that was fascinating, and I'm I'm really no, I meant curious. that clip just now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> whatever, whatever I end up putting in. I have a list of clips I want to put in, and I hope I picked a good one. <laughs> um, he made a few movies. He made a bunch of movies. He had cameos and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Um, Our Man in Havana was one of the big ones. Operation Madball, Book, Bell and Candle. Uh, anyway, he has a cameo. I think he's in a Mad, 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 Mad World. Oh, neat. I think he has a small part in that. Uh, I think that's what he was working on right before he died. I don't remember the uh, the um, chronology that well. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, he, he uh, I mean, for the little work, the, the little amount of time, I mean, from when he left Philly to go to New York until his death, mm-hmm. 10 years. If you include right. his TV time in Philly, 12 years. Mm-hmm. In 12 years, he did all that last hour of pioneering experimental in TV and comedy. Right. I mean, um, if he kept going, who knows what he could have done. It's such a lost potential. Right. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like, uh, you know, he wasn't one of these guys who gets drunk and beats up people. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't the like morose maudlin suicidal guy. He right, wasn't right. the crying clown. He, you know, he had real problems, like his daughter's missing. He would be right. upset about that, but he wasn't like, oh, this is my release from the agony of existential. No, he was just like, hey, this is fun. Let's do this. Right, right. And it was, and that's... he was so antithetical to that dumb stereotype of, oh, you're creative. You, you have to have all these problems or else you're not really an artist. You're not really creative unless you're suffering. It's like, well, no, you could just like be chilling and having a good time too. Yeah. It's also, it's, it's, um, it's downright surreal that he had to, um, it's surreal, but it's also one of those responsibilities that totally makes sense for somebody that's, that's in TV that he had to maintain the Ernie Kovacs persona 
uh, while he was on air at yeah. the same time that uh, the loss of the kids and the the child abduction happened. Yeah, uh, it's it's like. Well, I mean, it's like if you know, if you are a secretary or you're a school teacher or you're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your job is, you know, you work in a car factory, like you got to go to work and do your job. Yeah. You just right, don't have a right. camera on you. You know, you still got yeah. people looking at you, your coworkers. Right. Right. It's just, you know, that was his job. Yeah. His job was being himself. Right. Exactly. For, you know, well, half the, the, an hour a day or an hour a week or 15 minutes yeah. in the morning or whatever it was. Right. And, and each time he shows up and it's like, it's me, it's Ernie. And then, you know, goes through and does the live and, and truly did it live. It seems, Yeah, I mean, based on, well, yeah, that's, I this mean, is amazing. they did, they did tape stuff. Um, like the, uh, like I said, the stuff where it's the blackouts over, uh, the German version of Mac, the knife, those were pre-taped. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think the hour special Eugene, was mm-hmm. taped right because that was getting on like 1960 and by then they were taping more and more stuff right but an right. awful lot of the, the especially you know the walls are falling the crew is laughing about it everything is uns- right. like that was live like percy mm-hmm. dove tonsils that stuff was live right uh, because it kind of has to be yeah yeah i mean that's the way that, that we captured all these great moments otherwise They'd be like, all right, right, cut, start again. Right. Um, but well, I, I forget. God, I wish I could remember who said it. But someone was like the, the. you know, it was sort of like Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth got a lot of home runs. He also got a lot of strikeouts. Mm-hmm. But the joy was in, well, I made up that analogy. But who, someone was talking about Kovacs. They said, the joy was in watching him try. Yeah. Yeah. And just what's he going to do this time? Right. What's going right. to happen? Cause you have no, like, it's one of the only shows where you have no idea what will happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, um, that's one of the things that, uh, resonates in my opinion about, um, Kovacs versus, um, some Conan, um, uh, definitely some of the, the early Letterman, and then obviously, although it was, you know, staged and produced before it even made its way to air, um, you know, the stuff that we enjoyed about Space Ghost is that so much of it, uh, was either intentionally or unintentionally, um, that case of, okay, well, you know, I don't care if he fails. I, I just, I have to watch him try yeah. because it's in the trying that I'm going to get so much entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just watching this, the, you know, the wh- whether he pulls off the silliness or whether he falls flat on his face, I got to be there for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's why, why do you go to the circus? Right, exactly. You're, you're yeah. 99% sure he's going to get across that high wire. Mm-hmm. You don't want what? you don't want to see him fail. You know, hopefully there's yeah. a net. Right. But it's like, God, is he gonna do it this time? Yeah. Right. <laughs> wow, he did it. <laughs> so yeah, so that's Ernie Kovacs. There's a bunch of DVD collections. I have at least two box sets. Mm-hmm. I think three box sets. There's a bunch on YouTube. Right. 
uh, not the greatest quality, but uh, yeah, I mean, God, if you got you know twenty or thirty bucks, get you a box set. They're great. It's a great and yeah. it's it's the a lot funnier than most stuff you'll get for twenty bucks. I'm also gonna have to go dig around in the various online streaming services and and uh, see if there's any bits of uh, his show, mm. you know, a season, a whole thing, whatever. Uh, because like um, I can see looking at YouTube that there's um, assorted episodes. Um, so that, that's enough to yeah, yeah, yeah. watch through and kind of get caught up, but um, definitely not enough to kind of capture the entirety of uh, who he was. Cause look, looking at some of the, um, looking at some of the Google image search stuff, it looks like, I mean, I'm kind of going into this, accepting the fact that, uh, Probably some of the greatest gags are not going to be the ones that are on YouTube. I'm going to have to go watch the video. Sure, yeah. It. yeah. And, you know, it, it was the 50s and tapes were wiped, so a lot of it was lost. Uh, right. His widow, right. uh, uh, Edie Adams, she bought a lot of, of, the, uh, of the tapes later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she ended up starting a beauty supply company. Right. Uh, so she, she, you know, went from actress, singer businesswoman uh and then curator of all these tapes that she had to buy because they were going to wipe them and you know because they needed the shelf space right (laughs) she's like it's okay i'll take them i got i got a few bucks give me those yeah um maybe instead of wiping these let's preserve them yeah like maybe that would help whoever was the first executive to go wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> didn't erase good stuff forever right. we could just vault this stuff <laughs> uh, well and then back then the if you vaulted it burst into flames because it was that nitrate oh film. yeah a lot of early yeah, film is yeah. that nitrate and it's flammable it, it would just spontaneously combust right and so right. that's whenever they find old film they're like okay Let's tiptoe this over to mm-hmm. the transfer station and copy. <laughs> Right. And then right. run away from this flammable poison. <laughs> yeah. And hope no explosions occur. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that was good film. <laughs> oh, well. Who wants to try next? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need another Timmy. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, yeah, so that's Ernie Kovacs. And with that... I'm going to put it over to you, Aaron, to give us some of that fabulous closing down music.